0: Viewer discretion is advised. Your fave will be criticized. That's Chris. That's Shan. Welcome to CCTV, the nonstop pop show. And we are discussing Girls Aloud's second album, What Will the Neighbor Say?
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch,
0: and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: on cctv chris and i have the inside scoop with our extensive experience performing on stage and working at record labels and we brought it here to this show so join us in our in-depth conversations about global pop music on patreon at patreon.com slash cctv pops and become a part of our amazing crew including lily Lisette, emily and
0: Juliet. yes and we're doing another girls aloud episode yay. yay if this is your first time joining us you have a lot of content to catch up on so after this album review. We did do Sound of the Underground, uh-huh. parts one and two. Uh-huh. And we did do our Pop 101, where we kind of went through the more kind of businessy side of Girls Aloud's career so far. Now I can say so far. And we also did a tribute video to Sarah as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, so so, yeah we did a lot. <laughs>
0: a lot. But today we're focusing on what will the neighbors say. And I'm very excited The Girls Aloud have just started the campaign now Um, of the re-release so the show just came out in 4k the ep for the show came out and i'm very excited to see what they have for us for this deluxe version because i'm curious what xenomania have like in the vault oh yeah right yeah but yeah sound of the underground was definitely a mixed album Mm -hmm. so i'm very excited to hear your thoughts on this one
1: (laughs) all right so what will the neighbors say? Is the second studio album by Girls Aloud released in the UK on November 29th, two thousand four? And this album was the last chance for the girls, as Polydor was ready to drop them due to the sound of the underground's modest album sales compared to pop stars' twenty million
0: viewers. In my opinion, that's absurd. It's not fair, but eh. yes, I guess <laughs> pop was unapologetic back then.
1: Come on, like, you know? number
0: three failure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> three. <laughs> Luckily, Polydor's then-marketing director, Peter Lorraine, convinced the label to allow the group to record one more album. And one of the key elements of this deal was also to enlist Brian Higgins and his production team, Amania to write and produce the whole project.
0: So the album title comes from a lyric in the song Love Machine, which asks, what will the neighbors say this time? Which is a nod to the lyric, Neighbors Banging on My Bathroom Wall in debut single, Sound of the Underground. We love a reference.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Come on now. Yes.
0: And in addition to Xenomania's team, all five members of Girls Aloud also participated in writing for the album. So, this all ended up being a huge success and it eventually reached platinum status in the UK. Yeah. And of course, Girls Aloud then continued to release many more albums. So, <laughs> we will now Take go that. on track by track and discuss the production of vocals and lyrics and give our ratings for each song. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, first
1: is The Show, written by Brian Higgins, John Shave, Lisa Cowling, Miranda Cooper, and Tim Powell. And though Girls Aloud's cover of Jump is technically the album's first single, the official first single and start to the era was the release of The Show in June 2004. The song was very different from the previous Girls Aloud singles, with much brighter and feistier direction for the group. And the song debuted at number two in the UK. Wow, number two. Oh, the show.
0: I have so many great memories associated with the song, because I was a big fan at the time already, and I was just excited for a brand new era. Like, I feel like that's always exciting, right? Like, when it's like a debut album, and it's like, oh, what are they going to do now? And... With this one, they had a full makeover, like, both stylistically and sonically, too. Like, I think their whole team was kind of switched around. So it really was kind of a brand new relaunch. So even looking at all the teaser photos and stuff, like, it's super exciting. Like, they have the director chairs with their names on them. We got some new hair colors. (laughs) (laughs) And even just the styling was very, very different. Because it all was definitely a bit drab for the first album. How about? And now, like, the color is here, right? Yeah. It's just all a lot more fun. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, this was the first time we really got to hear Xenomania writing specifically for Girls Aloud because most of the songs on the first album were, like, demos they had or they were just written for a generic girl group. But yes. this time, yeah, they catered to the girls and their stories and their voices. And you can definitely tell. And you can also hear now the real approach that Xenomania eventually would take on for the rest of their albums, where it's like the Frankenstein thing, where it's just like Nicola actually was just on BBC talking about this, how they would record like 18 different verses, 18 different Mm -hmm. choruses in like seven different keys to like all these different backing tracks. And they had no idea what was happening with any of that until they heard what was actually chosen for the final version of the song. So So that's very different from most songwriters but that's now the xenomania thing and the show is a great example of that because you know you get two choruses completely different verses you get kind of a weird structure as well Absolutely, yeah. it's so good it's so good and also i don't know like the girls were getting also a little bit older because they were kind of doing the rebellious teenager thing with the first yeah. album yeah but now they're like young women, kind of navigating more adult issues and the angst isn't really there instead it's kind of just more like sassy and confident yeah that's just like overall context but I do love this song like I think the synth melody is super catchy even just on its own as an instrumental like all yeah. the layering in it is really really cool and very just mm-hmm. satisfying electro pop
1: oh yeah totally oh my gosh
0: yeah yeah, but, but, yeah I love I love this song what do you think
1: well, as a newer fan that was introduced in 2020, I think you showed me this song or I was presented this song via a concert DVD. Mm, so you the 10 tour, the ten. I believe. Yeah. Because yeah. I had made a comment. I was like, it was so pretty. They look like Victoria's Secret Models. And you were like, in your way. Just wait, girl. And then I was like, "What? wait for what? And then he puts the DVD on. I was like, ah, Victoria's Secret Model. Um, and this was a song that was playing for that. It's so interesting. Like, what, what a way to start off your second album cycle, right? Because you where you hear about that sophomore slump, the sophomore slump. And yeah, it's like, essentially this is like their first official, like who we are album. So it's not like the sophomore slump, but it also, that's a sophomore album, but technically it is. But, you know, in terms of like finding your own voice, it's their first album. And this is a good voice to have. I mean, when I first heard the song, I think I blindly enjoyed it. But then like I listened to the lyrics and I was like, why is this so all over the place? Like, should have known, should have cared. But that's the thing. Like, this song has a lot of different um, melodies, different top lines that are very catchy. <laughs> um, every part of the song has something that you can kind of latch onto. Um, if you're not really paying attention, you could enjoy it. But if you are paying attention, you could, like, get a little, like, confused, but also be interested and in see where it's going to go next and see what parts that you can try. It's almost like a um, a guessing game where you're like, okay, so is this part the chorus? Like, no, this part's the chorus. Like, this has the chorus. And I like the lyrical content. It's like the song is very much like, you know, I will let anyone have me unless my heart says so. If it's not you, I won't do that. You know, it's like very much like you have to wait for me. And I was like, oh, this is so like not preachy. But it's very much like this is my standard. This is my moral. This is my boundary. You know, if you want to be a part of this. <laughs> yeah. But also there's a little bit of a reflection like they should have known, should have cared. should have hung out in the kitchen. You know, it's like I realized in my past relationship, I didn't do what I was supposed to be doing. Or yep. do what a, a partner was expecting from a lover. The next mm-hmm. time I go forth, I'm going to do my thing. All right? Mm-hmm. Only if I'm ready for it. I honestly love that. And um, it's relatability covered in electropop. Sassy electropop. Mm-hmm. And the video was very lighthearted, too. So it didn't feel very much like, no, nah, my father said we can have it a You know, like it was just <laughs> like colorful, like you mentioned earlier.
0: <laughs> yes. I love the music video. It's so good. Because Finally, they aren't really taking themselves too seriously because, again, they kind of were with the first album. Like, even in Jump, they're kind of taking themselves kind of seriously. So this one, they're, like, actually being very silly. It's very cheeky. Yeah. The broom dance is (laughs) hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, they're all... Killing it in their individual scenes. Like, I love Sarah washing hair and looking very, like, pensively to the side and, like, Listen. horribly lip syncing her amazing ad libs.
1: <laughs> um, yeah.
0: And then all the little jokes, like, with Nicholas fake tan and, yeah. you know, Cheryl, like, just peeling a skin off this man and, and loving it. <laughs> like,
1: it's all <laughs> yeah. just
0: brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great music video.
1: Yeah. It's fun. They look like a pack of Skittles. I mean, this is the best way to. Like even with like in K-pop, there's a group called Shiny. Like a lot of people knew them for like the first bit of first album era. They were wearing darker clothes, kind of like streetwear. But then that second single comes around, it's Juliet. They have the colorful pants. You -hmm. look at this video; they all have different colors, different names. I mean, Maxi Waxy—that's hysterical to me. (laughs) You know, like and it sticks in your mind because it's very colorful, and you want to know who's that one, who's one in the green, who's one in the blue. So, I mean, beyond just like it's fun, whatnot. Whoever's working with them, the creative team that they. They, they brought in
0: mm-hmm.
1: after they recycled the other one now, i don't want to say throw away you know Another, yeah. <laughs> they recycled the other one brilliant because everyone has that well who's that one? Oh, the one with the oh yeah but the last album was oh the one wearing black they were all wearing black sis but this one you can actually <laughs> pick me you up know, so. so i agree i think this video is so fun and i love at the end like you can see like sarah's just not <laughs> yeah i have a good grip on that <laughs> And even the choreography itself for like live performances like throughout is choreography. You can never go wrong with mm. salon hairstylist MVs and then carrying it on through live performances. Like you can't go wrong. You just sit there, flip your legs, and pat your chest.
0: It's mm-hmm. easy. If the mm-hmm. song's good, even better. Yes, we love a cherry choreo for sure. And yeah, they definitely recycled their old choreographer as well, because this is so much better. Because the choreography for the last era was not It. but it's so interesting because they really are still like the budget's not really there you know Uh, yeah yeah. so it all looks like a tad cheap as well but that almost adds to like the charm of it all yeah like i remember we were watching like the royal variety performance together where they would say perform for the queen and it just looks like talent show (laughs) yeah talent show like (laughs) that's hilarious that they did that for the queen but it is fun kind of watching the performances through the years because they got more glamorous as the yes. years went on so that it does kind of culminate in this like Victoria's Secret moment
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely it's <laughs> like so 10 years though.
0: later so <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: we're confident now <laughs> yeah, but...
0: and yes shout out to the vocals as well like Nadine sounds great Cheryl sounds great you do hear Kim and Nicola like through the choruses as well and of course yes Sarah's ad-libs fantastic
1: all right that being said the scores must be given
0: <laughs> and for the show
1: I want to give it a nine I'm gonna give it a nine you're okay. right.
0: I will go 9.5. Okay. Yes. (laughs) All right, moving on to Love Machine, which was done by Sean Lee, Myra Boyle, Lisa Cowling, Nick Kohler, Tim Powell, Brian Higgins, and Miranda Cooper. And this was released as the second single from the album, and the song was initially inspired by The Smiths, and hit number two in the UK singles chart. The song remains one of Girls Aloud's signature hits, but the group actually initially hated it and were embarrassed by the track, with Nadine even thinking it would be career suicide.
1: You know, I might be a little kooky, because I like the song on first listen. I forgot how, I think maybe we were doing the, no, you may have shown me, and I watched the live performances first, so then when we did our Pop 101, which you all should be watching, mm-hmm, I was like, ooh, I like this, and I just kept watching it, I just kept watching it, and watching it more and more and more. But yeah, I think I even listed this as my favorite song of all time, <laughs>
0: which <laughs> is as no with most people too actually honestly
1: <laughs> what, really? but you yeah, know i liked it because it's fun and i think i like the rockabilly style that's played throughout like that mm-hmm. i mean you'll hear it in songs like make you mine by um jet i really want to make you mine rockability rockabilly style is very pop. was popular then especially yeah. but yeah i like it but it creates a frantic energy that complements the weird lyrics about breathing underwater and liking the way it feels you know like it's it's, it's arranged. range i mean obviously vocally they sound so good i mean i think i don't say they lucked out but it's, there's something that happened in the stars the cosmos and fate whatever you will even that brought these girls together and they had nadine and they all have different voices out they had, like, Nadine with this very soulful, deceptively soulful, because I heard her voice. I was shocked. You have Cheryl, whose voice is warm, and I was not expecting that from her. Mm. You have Kim, who has a little bit more of a husk. Sarah, who's a, she's a soprano. She's a very high-pitched <laughs> girl. And you have Nicola, who's a little bit more thinner, who kind of leans more toward, like, she should, should be singing folk, should be singing some type of very much indie something or other, but is in this pot group. So it all leans itself in this really nice way where you have these gentle pre-hook moments. Where it's like, oh, come, honey, come here. It's nice. And the song altogether just has weird lines throughout. And these girls perform it well for not being really comfortable with singing it. And then hearing the demo version mm. and the Frankensteining that happened, it came together pretty well. Also, the "Let's Go Eskimo" line. I do not know why I like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think the song evolved very well in terms of where it started. Where it ended, even the live performances, which is like where we are right now, talking about the song as a, on the album, it's good. And the baton pass the lines are so fun in the second verse. I think that's the most fun part because mm. it's, it's already frantic, or it's like huh, this person, oh, this person, oh, and it also makes you makes you like think about who's singing, like who's that singing, who's that person singing, blah 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 blah. You know, yep. it's just fun. It's it's it's. I mean, Sarah has no freaking lines, but it's okay. It's
0: fine. She gets kind of the outro with Nicola for the most part. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're right. Okay.
0: <laughs> but yes. Could have been more, for sure. But yeah, I do remember finding it quite bizarre the first time I heard this song, but I was here for it. I think the show set it up well, where it was kind of like, what are they going to come up with next? Because it was just so different from from the first album stuff. And I think it was a fun take on the indie rock that was so big at the time, too. Like They kind of took the elements, but it kind of just turned it into this like crazy, frantic pop song, as you said. But yeah, I agree. I think the favorite thing about the song for me is the lyrics as well. Because it like kind of makes sense. It doesn't really make sense. But it's all just really, really fun to sing. And it allows them to perform just the crap out of it. Because even like Sarah, right, with her one line, your call's late. But it's like she always just like puts the most into that line. And you can get very sassy with that. And like, yeah, like uh, it's just fun writing. Yeah.
1: Beyonce does that sometimes. She'll say something and it's like, her most recent album, I was listening because I have the CD. I'm like, girl, that line don't make no sense, but she just still just full chest, full conviction. And it makes the song so much more fun when she does perform it. Because the lines are like, we'll talk, watch our Renaissance uh, review plug. Yeah. But yeah, no, this <laughs> is the same effect that Zenomania has. Just random words are just so fun and require mm-hmm. you to perform the crap out of it, like you said, for sure. Yes. <laughs>
0: The music video, again, is still in line with what I said before, where, like, the budget isn't fully there. So it's like they're in the Eskimo <laughs> Club, which is supposed to kind of be this classy place. But you can tell it's like yeah. they didn't hire that many extras and it's
1: <laughs> all oh, <stop>. just like <laughs> a small space.
0: No, but again, that's what makes yeah. it so, so funny. Um, charming. Right. Yeah. And it, again, also just relies on their charisma uh-huh. as well, because even if they hated the song, they'd still commit it. Like, yep. Cheryl is giving her all with her facial expressions. And the dance routine is quite iconic in it as well. But, yeah, what did you think of the video?
1: That's probably what made me like it. I don't know. Maybe it's Cheryl dimple. the dimple. Yeah. I, I felt I tripped and fell into her dimple. I don't know. It's just, it is, it's fun watching them with seeing the light, the lights behind them. And oh, like, yeah.
0: Very dramatic. Absolutely.
1: It's one of those things where I'm like, what was the conversation like about this music video? It was a direction... You got the girls flirting with the band, mm-hmm. I'm at the, sitting at the table. It's just, they're literally, they have not much to do, you know, no. i them just sitting at the table, like,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. just
1: wiggling. <laughs> it was fun. And 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 I think when I watched I also looked at Kim, so I was like, wow, she's so pretty. Mm-hmm. Again, it just goes back to it's so simple, and they're pretty, and the music is good. It's a good combination, a good, like, little, all these dynamics coming together, making a very good presentation. Even for all the low budgetness, like this was like 2004, right? I mean, videos weren't. What was? Yeah, videos weren't really that. You know, I mean, unless you were like Bjork or Madonna or some crap like that, you the videos weren't out here like you know, super spectacular. Unless I'm like mistaken, but
0: yeah, I mean, this was was kind of you know, this was the start of the download era, so it was you know, the music industry was kind of suffering. Girl groups in general are more expensive anyway. I would say just because you need a lot more people around you, and you're paying for five individuals as well so and plus you know they had a fight just to even release this album so yeah i don't think the budget was really there but they did what they could for exactly. sure exactly and the performances have also gone through quite an evolution like it's kind of awesome kind of seeing how much girls Aloud improved as performers through the years but yeah this one also got kind of classier as it went along
1: yeah it did got different yeah. versions of it got different iterations of the mm-hmm. band versions of it well that's how we got to 10 all of their parts were all over the place. Like they were like they were singing in key, but they were just so just like, it was just so off at certain points where it's like Nicola's like up here and Sarah's like, ah, and Sarah yeah. it was it was a little bit all over the place by the time we got to ten. But you know what? That's just them first singing past sickness and all the other stuff that was going on. But just them having a good time too. So I definitely enjoy watching yeah. the performance. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry. For sure. Calculate. And yes, I do enjoy all the little dance breaks that they would come up with. It'd be different for every tour. So I appreciated that. Yes. Okay, so I will give this one a nine. It's not my favorite Girls Aloud song, but it is really fun and I appreciate it for being kind of one of their legacy songs. Absolutely. I hear you. Dude, this one this one's actually my my nine point five for like obviously I'm being biased with this song.
1: All right, guys, so we're going to move on to the third track, I'll Stand By You. And this was written by Billy Steinberg, Chrissy Hine, and Tom Kelly, and it was produced by Xenomania. This is a cover of The Pretenders' I'll Stand By You, and it was recorded and chosen to be the official 2004 charity single for Children in Need. It has been noted that the first version produced by Xenomania was a weird, modernist, breakbeat version, but it was decided that they would stay closer to the original since it was for charity and this single became the group's second number one single um, mm-hmm. as stated by Nadine on the tour
0: every tour every this s- is number one for 2 weeks,
1: weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she said like 14 full days y'all <laughs> <laughs> so so this 14 day number one hit how do you feel about this one
0: <laughs> yes i i remember being excited at the time because of the opportunity like the children in need single is actually like a really big deal or was a really big deal at the time like it would often be given to more established artists and so for girls allowed to get that opportunity is really great yeah as for the song itself though i mean i was excited for them to have a ballad because the ballads on the first album were not great i will say though it's a bit karaoke Uh, Because, you know, the original version, the Pretenders version, like, Chrissy Hind has, like, an amazing voice. And even though the lyrics are quite cheesy, like, that kind of rock sensibility kind of makes it, like, a lot cooler. Cooler. I think, yeah. Yeah. And this one was just so cheesy. (laughs) (laughs) And after reading that Brian actually had this original weird version for them. I would love to hear it. I hope that shows up on the anniversary release because I would love to hear this, like, what is it, breakbeat weird quirky version? (laughs) Because, you know, I think it's tough. Like, I get why they went safer because I do Uh think this has mass appeal in the sense that, like, the older people in the uk that just want to support the charity will happily support the song right because mm-hmm. you know it's not like if like love machine was released they would be like i'm not buying that <laughs> you know so i get it in a larger business sense but it just feels very meh like production wise like the fake drums and like the guitars with the like dreamy effect all over it like it's just very expected so yeah i will say they sound really good in it mm-hmm I appreciate that the vocal distribution is relatively even. Obviously, Nadine kind of gets that whole bridge. As she should, to be fair. There are some nice harmonies in there, which they ended up adding more harmonies as they continued to sing it live as well. Mm-hmm. I will say I do wish Nadine and Sarah had more ad libs at the end, and the studio version at least. And you know, I think it as you listen to all the Xenomania stuff, not like not just the Girls Aloud stuff they did, but even the Sugar Babe stuff and everything. I don't yeah. think Brian is a huge fan of ad-libs. There's very rarely like real proper ad-libs in Xenomania yeah. songs. And then the members just kind of take it on themselves just to kind of do their own riffs and stuff live, which sometimes land and sometimes don't.
1: <laughs> you know, I don't want to be the one to say it. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it's a charity single. It did really well for them. And it helped kind of solidify their spot in Pop yeah. at the time. which yeah. was- And Pop was dying too at the time. Yes. As you I remember should remember, that. like they were really kind of just trying to hang on to it. So not my favorite single of theirs and not my favorite live either. Like I always think it's kind of a, a wasted slot in their set list a little bit, but I appreciate it for what it did for their career. Yeah. What do you think?
1: I also saw this one during the 10 tour right. as well. There we go.
0: That was a rough vocal, that one. <laughs> you know,
1: you know, you know, yeah hindsight i'm pretty sure they look back on it i was like why is that got recorded why did i get recorded that was terrible you know what i'm saying like i was i would i would have wanted to dub my, look, my vocals over if i was mm. i don't know why i adopted cheryl's accent or like fake adopted it but you know, the point is that's the one i saw and when you told me that was their last show i thought oh sentimental okay like in a live setting the song goes off in the terms of the atmosphere and I'll stop there. An atmosphere, because it's like I'll stand by you. We've been together for how many years? I love you, girl. You know, like that kind Except of. Except they were
0: like not on good terms by that then. But yes, I, I, I get what you mean.
1: <laughs> yeah, like the footage
0: in the back and stuff was nice. Yes, yes,
1: yes. I know, I know. What I'm saying in terms of <laughs> atmosphere. Sure performative atmosphere you get the shots of the crowd i was like oh so sweet those vocal belting parts had me weak though at the end i was like what the hell's going on as a song now like quote unquote now in the present moment of them like releasing it on this album blah 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 i don't like that sarah has like four lines at first no 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 and then suddenly nadine picks up i feel like she just had a longer phrase and called it a day i that's the only part i'm just like that was a little weird for me after that got better they sound fine and I agree with you. I think this is a little karaoke, but I remember hearing it and thinking, oh, is this a cover? Oh, it is. I do like the original one. I even like the one that was done in a Geico commercial a couple of years ago, or some type oh. of car, car commercial. Yeah, someone that did it. That's why I know the song too. But this one is okay. And the video itself was like this weird, like, I don't know if they were shipwrecked or what, but, and them wearing like this plunging neckline dresses and looking like glazed versions of themselves. Like, I get it. They're meant to look like beautiful and strong. Like, no matter what, darling, even me, a trophy wife, can be there for you. Like, I get it, but I just wish that the plunging necklines and the, the side boob was not, like, the stylistic choice. Like, there's ways to make them look very supportive, like, lovers or supportive sisters. Jeans, sweater dresses. There's a lot of ways to go about doing it. Yeah. Them. But, yeah, I mean, again, like, they performed as well as they could. They emote so well. It's just the video It's just really weird. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I agree. The video is kind of boring. Like, I think they look nice for what it is. Clearly, this was someone that was like, they need to look sexy in this video. <laughs> There's lots of fake tan as well across the five of them. I mean, the, some of the lighting is nice and the way they did, like, the wind was nice. Um, I believe there is a behind the scenes of it and you can see it literally just just like, tiny little patch of sand that they're on, like, you know, a fake sky in the back. (laughs) I will say, I hate that random shot of the raindrop on the rock because no rain actually ever comes down. down. So that was an odd choice. And yeah, the whole idea of kind of like the thunderstorm coming in and then they're like in this tent thing. Again, it just read very cheap. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) but I agree. They kind of did what they could to emote I think the performances during the promo one were good because they, they kind of stopped singing live after kind of like the life got cold era. I'm not sure exactly why that was, but like the show and Lubbyshire, like all of those pr- promo performances at least were all lip synced. So this one kind of forced them to sing live. Yeah. And then there was kind of a lot going on too. I, there's a, like there's like a random performance where it's just three of them and they just sing it cappella. And yeah, they started adding more harmonies and stuff. So So yeah, I will say my favorite performance of it, it at least vocally, it is probably from the chemistry tour, which I would say is vocally probably their best tour as well. Yeah. Uh, they kind of, yeah, because they all started kind of over singing uh, by the end and, and they wouldn't even sing their lines kind of the- melodically the way they were. Like they would all riff over each other and the blend wasn't there for that final a cappella chorus by the end yeah. either. So yeah, it all just got a little messy. So,
1: can I save up the up? Please, I think I'm messy. And one of the performances, I'm trying to figure out which one. I think either the ten or maybe what would the neighbors say. I think it was well, what would the neighbors say. There's a part at the end of Stand By You where Sarah is like going off, right? And then the dean gives her the Beyonce hand to grab her hand. <laughs> ah, ah. It was like sing your note, <laughs> sing the note in the heart. Okay, that's all I wanted to add there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. So, as a rating, what would you give it?
1: It's sitting at a seven for me it's average It don't sound bad but it's just not anything spectacular
0: yeah. yeah yeah i will stick with the seven as well i think the bass song is good but their version is just like fine yeah, yeah run of the mill yeah all right so track four on the album is jump which we actually did review this track already in our sound of the underground part two review mm-hmm. so we're not going to repeat ourselves mm-hmm. go check that episode out links are in the description So we're going to move straight on to track five, (laughs) and we have Wake Me Up, and this one was done by Yusra Marue, Paul Woods, Lisa Cowling, Sean Lee, Tim Powell, Brian Higgins, and Miranda Cooper. And the track was actually initially considered for the first single, but it was obviously the show was chosen instead, and it was eventually released as the fourth single from the album in February 2005, hitting number four in the UK singles chart.
1: This is one, like you said earlier, like number three, <laughs> bad. It's like number four is pretty, like top five is good. That means you're on oh, vacation, yeah. you know?
0: Off an album that a lot of fans already bought too, you know?
1: Yeah, that's good. Cool. he yeah. eats up. I, I'm always so curious to know how, like, how that worked back in the day. Like I get like I get it because we both worked in it, but I was when I was a kid, I was like, why am I hearing this all the time? Who decides that this is good? Why, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just so interesting. But yeah, you know what? Uh, I like to say this is Sarah's song because she eats it up in the beginning. She really gives, you know? She does. She doesn't have many opportunities to give, except like in bridges or in outros or like, you know, I know what you're looking at. You're looking at my butt. Like little moments like that. She doesn't really get a lot. And Mm. this was her first time. It was a single as well. I do wish that we could have heard more of Kim because Kim has that husky tone that I think would have gone off on this song. Like she has a very like sensual thing when she's singing her lower register. And I'm like, dang it, give her a chance. But, you know, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm realizing now, not even now, but how many years ago, I was at like a K-Con and some producer was talking about a K-pop group and they said, why does this one singer sing all the parts? And he's like, he looked at everyone. He was like, because he can effing sing. That's why he's so freaking good. He's consistent. So I'm not saying that Kim wasn't consistent, but when you have or even Miss Belinda from Bardot, she talked about how they would all sing the lines of the song and whatever sounded better would be the selected <laughs> version. So I think this that was that kind of situation possibly with this one. Because I don't think she's incapable of singing. Same thing with Nicola. I don't think they're incapable of singing. It's just what sounds really good here, what doesn't, or like what's the strongest version of what we have. And I and I do appreciate that. I also like that the song is sassy without being like, you know, subculture or the wild things are like the that Sound of the Underground. Yeah. This right here is like, oh, yeah, honey. <laughs> we're drinking margaritas and you're looking at me and oh I want to break the rules and then Nadine's like singing and whatnot I remember hearing this song I think probably in the live version again and I was like oh these little white ladies can sing yeah. so this is the song that I heard I was like okay white ladies go off they can sing their little booties off and I'm not sure if it's like a an accent thing because I've always noticed like a lot of Brit pop singers have so much like soul in their voices it's like where'd it come from like I know where it came from obviously but it's just so funny because I'm like I'm not mm. even Claire. Claire from like Step. I'm oh, like, yeah. Where, what did y'all eat for breakfast? What water were you drinking? <laughs> but yeah, I think as the song gets performed live and whatnot, I think Nicola's parts are like my favorite too. Because she's like, oh yeah, it's not one section and I know my notes. Mm. I'm going to hit them. That's one thing I like about her too. She's very consistent.
0: in a sense. Yes. I like, oh, remember. Yes. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Let me just piggyback off the Nicola part first. I remember there was so much debate when this album came out, just among the fans that were like, who is singing that part? Because no one had ever heard Nicola kind of take on this like alto moment, you know, like no one had ever heard her do that. So everyone was like, oh, that's Kim. But it was like, no, it sounds too thin. And then it wasn't until like the video came out that was like, oh yeah, that's Nicola. So yes, we love that. We love hearing different parts of the tone. Yeah. Um, And yeah, and the vocal distribution wise, Yeah, I'm glad at least all five have a moment in this one for sure. And again, it goes back to Xenomania like really catering to their voices as well, because I think they all sound really good. Like Sarah and Cheryl's kind of whispery, talky moments are great. I love Kim and Nadine's dynamic as well. Like They always sound really good when they sing together. So them doing that whole back and forth is great. And of course, yeah, Nadine deserves that whole dramatic little moment as well. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah i'm a fan of this song i remember when i first heard it i was like oh yeah this is the natural part three to sound of the underground and no good advice because it brings back that surf guitar <laughs> but then it's a little more powerful yeah as opposed to those two and so it makes sense that it was considered as the first single because i think if you were a fan of those two songs this might be a very natural progression <laughs> but i'm glad they kept it off because i think the show was a great introduction to it yes and yeah i just think that's the fun girl group song the chorus super powerful very sassy as well and it really was the music video though that that kind of elevated the song and turned it into a real classic because i think it's one of their best music videos oh yeah like again it looks cheap because you could tell they're on a green screen you know they're not really riding these motorcycles but but in this case they're like fully embracing that and kind of making a joke of it and then, yeah. of course, you get the little gags with, like, you know, Kimberly's hairdryer and Sarah's nail polish and everything. And it's all just, like, messy. Like, even that, like, dance moment when they're just, like, oh, doing God, the poses yeah. and stuff. And then Nadine goes the wrong way. And it's like, yeah. you guys didn't have a shot where all five of you went the same way with that hair flip, you know? <laughs> like, it's just all a little messy, but they're they're giving it their all, and it's so entertaining. Absolutely. I think it's so
1: funny, too. They said like, those dance scenes are great, but, um, Nicola, shout out to her, okay? She was popping off in that little red top. Go off, honey. She was also okay.
0: very ill during that video shoot.
1: Oh, so. yeah. Mm. She was giving it, though. She's like... Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm gonna kill it, though. Going back to, like, the singing and the production and whatnot, there's a guitar and the chorus that they flip their hair on. It's so fun, but. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh hang on I'm about the mess of my hair but uh me it's fun like it's just like their hair looks crazy. they look hot though they're on hogs like it's very i feel like if it would have gotten like an american release people should go watch it like oh they're hot because like mm. it's like, Girls, amor, it's, like oh, hey. it's like those carl's jr uh como se say like ads with the hamburger and the cars oh the yes that's the kind of vibe i was it's very just randomly hot sexy ladies on bikes oh my god like you know <laughs> so i like the live performances because like watching them do their um <laughs> the little choreography with the hair and the um well i mean the hair not the hair flips like the hair styling mm-hmm. it's very um, big like top of the pops was so huge like yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> the camera
1: wouldn't even focus on sarah whoever was calling camera in the back was like <laughs> side side camera side camera bar bar go <laughs> <laughs> it's fun like you said the the moments in the video were just hilarious like the looking of the tattoo and the mm. nail polish on ice those moments were great did the get any kind of gag or was it just the three of the three ladies blow dryer
0: ice uh yeah Etsy. i don't think she did yeah oh
1: man they should have all got a gag i would have been in my like i would have been on the floor rolling it's okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I also love the performances. I still think that first one, that top of the one, where they start on the motorcycles, it's like, and they're wearing the video outfits. Like, it's so iconic. They're not even bothering with fake microphones either. <laughs> like, they're just like, no, we're just gonna dance the crap out of this. And the choreography is great for this one. It's really dynamic. A lot of little formation changes, like different lines as well. Like there's the V, there's kind of all that. And there's just a lot, like... Yeah, there's just a lot going on. Like at one point, like three of them go down while the other two stay up. And it's just like a lot going on, which I appreciate. Yeah, it's definitely always a highlight on the tours as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, this is one of those songs, like I didn't understand the meaning of it. I, I think it's going to be You don't God. need to. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And I usually try to like talk about the lyrics. Like I didn't talk about it for a little while now. But yeah, you really don't need to with this one.
0: I have to say, when I went to the 10 tour, so I actually got to go to that DVD filming night. And I was right at the end of the catwalk. And this was the first moment in that show when they stormed down the catwalk. Oh, yeah. And it is such a powerful moment. I will never forget that moment. It was so good. It was so good. I have a really good picture from that point, too. Oh, you do.
1: Yeah, you do. It's on our Instagram at CCTV Pops. But yeah, no, I think this is one of those moments in time and music. I'm sorry. I'm being so dramatic. But yeah, no, I think this in terms of like, the genre that it is, is worthy of a 9.5. Okay. It's sassy. It has, like, that fun rock sensibility. And they perform the crap out of it. So it has all the good stuff that I like about
0: them in it. Yes. Actually, yeah. I'll match you.
1: 9.5. Up next is Deadlines Diet, Written by <laughs> Matt Gray, Brian Higgins, and Miranda Cooper. And it's recorded originally by Moon Baby, a.k.a. Miranda Cooper. Whoa. But the members of Girls Aloud wanted to release the track as a single, and fortunately or unfortunately, it didn't happen. But we do have both versions of Moon Baby and Girls Aloud. And uh, yeah, drop in the comments if you think this should have been a single. Let us know. We have our feelings.
0: I would be surprised to hear if anyone thought this would be a good single. I mean, maybe instead of I'll Stand By You, but I don't see it other than that. There's
1: always one person. This song is so, you're not invited to the brunch. You can't come I mean, to I don't hate
0: the song, though. To be fair, like again, you know, we came from the first album that had like "Forever and a Night," like all those horrible mid-tempo y songs. So, so yeah. this one is is very good in comparison to those. I think melodically, it's fine. I think it's the lyrics actually which really elevate it, because even that chorus, like, oh, yeah, very conversational about the devious men and all that, and all the and all the verses. Are, are very different and have clever lyrics in them. And I think all the Dean, Cheryl, and Nicola all sound really good and definitely give a very different vibe to each one as yeah. well. Yeah. And this is also when Brian really started utilizing Nicola's more soft, kind of innocent tone. Yeah. Like, he he always loved that. and She she would say later that she wished she got to belt a little bit sometimes because he only would kind of want her to do this, this part of her voice. Yeah. But in this case, I think it... It totally works because it, it just makes sense, especially in juxtaposition with Cheryl and Nadine that are just a bit more soulful and a bit more just kind of sassy with it. Nicola's so innocent. So then her kind of doing the bridge, it just kind of makes the whole build of the song just a lot better mm-hmm. as well. So, so yeah, I think it's a decent album track. It's different from the rest of the album. You know, you kind of get a more mid-tempo, kind of more conversational moment, a little more organic as well. And yeah, so I appreciate it for its place on the album.
1: Uh, I got you. I got you. Uh, I agree with you in terms of like uh, the storytelling of being good. It's a nice change of pace. It paints a good picture for sure. The phone in the T line is a Mm. fun one because as strange as it is, I have dropped something in my cereal before as a kid. Like I was like, (laughs) I wasn't that young. But I was young enough to sit there and eat cereal for breakfast one day, have my PSP in my hand and drop it in the milk. And I was like, come on, what the heck? So the the phone and the tea thing doesn't seem that far-fetched. Not at all. (laughs) Not not at all. When I heard it, I thought it was funny. I think the little twist of the beautiful lover at 3 a.m. being married is so rom-com trope. Mm. But apparently it's very relatable because there are people out here be thotting and bopping just wearing their rings as golden Cheerios, apparently, who do things like this. So they kind of sleep with people who, like, oh, I'm not married. You know, like, come on, you nasty. (laughs) So I think I do appreciate that relatability and also like picture painting moment, Mm. picture painting effect of the lyric. And I low-key enjoy the alliteration of dies deadlines and devious men. Aha! Love that. Love that. Mm -hmm. D, D, D. I will say that the performances of this, the performance I saw rather, is a little just like, mm, hmm, ho-hum. I feel like the girls just didn't know what to do. Like they're wearing their prom dresses. I hate those dresses so
0: much. I hate those dresses too. (laughs)
1: They're wearing their prom dresses and just, I did it before. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, it, it's okay. I will also add, and feel free, everyone, to be like, <laughs> but it sounds like an All Saints track, but with a production and even, like, right before the chorus, no, 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 It just sounds like something that Shazade would write, but it does not have mm. her, does not have her approach to it. Listen, I'm not the only person that said that. There is somebody who said that somewhere, when the mm. song came out, there's, like, a reporter who mentioned it. So I don't feel bad. I was like, am I the only person that believes, you know? It's not, it's just from me. I'm just like, it sounds like it a little bit. Because, like, the whole, like, jazzy, cool thing. There's nothing else that complements the song mm. on the album for me. So that's why I'm kind of like, ah.
0: mm.
1: But, yeah, so my score will not be that high at this time. What about you? How how do you feel about this one?
0: I think in the grand scheme of Girls Allowed, like, mid-tempos, mm-hmm. it's not bad. So I will go with an eight.
1: I'm at 7.5. It's just okay.
0: The next okay. song on the album is Big Brother. And this was done by member Cheryl Tweedy, Tim Rolf larcombe Lisa Cowling, Brian Higgins, and Miranda Cooper. So we have our first of the five member co-writes. What do you think Run of truth. Big Brother?
1: You know, the potential from the verses were there. Like, was there. Excuse me. The chorus was just lackluster for me. Mm. Like, it, oh, man, the build was just like, it's like, okay, some tension, some tension. And then suddenly you do this, nah, 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 nah. I was like, what the heck? Come on. That's, that's the melody you chose. My thing <laughs> is, do I understand that if it's your first time writing, it's going to be a little bit like, okay, yeah, I get that. Get that. I have that sympathy because even some of my songs, I'm like, I don't think I write like that anymore. Some parts of it, yeah, I write like that. But everyone else in that room has experience. So why not try to elevate things just a little bit more like, hey, this sounds good, love, but why don't we try it like this? Maybe they did. Maybe this was the best that they could come up with. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, it's not It's not terrible. It sounds mysterious. It definitely carries the atmosphere of being watched and voyeurism and such and things like that. But that's it. Just having the feeling and emoting it, well, they're two different things. The lyrics having the feeling, excuse me, and emoting mm-hmm. them are two different things. Excuse me. And the song seems like it's implying that the girls enjoys having the eyes on them while they're with their lover but then I listen to it again I'm like maybe Big Brother is a warrior and that they want to be with him or them whomever like a weird like neighbor watching them through her window of her apartment you know mm. she's like like
0: you you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what yeah. do you get from this I think the song is okay as an album track it's decent I think it fits with kind of where the show had kind of started right it's like electro pop good that's with- goodness like i think the production is really good on the xenomania side i -hmm. don't mind the chorus maybe as much as you do like i think the kind of long dragged out notes and kind of the way the melody is it's like kind of sinister it's kind of creepy and weird and that fits kind of the creepiness of the lyrics a little bit (laughs) i think cheryl sounds great on the verses she kind of uses her mix and and again it all just kind of sounds kind of nonchalant but kind of suggestive and kind of like sexy and yeah i think i think that was done really well but it's not a song i really go back to very often but i think as an album track it's okay
1: i think so too we guys so we i mean there's some highlights obviously their vocal moments it's not
0: a bad song at all oh but i will say the most underwhelming part though actually is probably that high note at the end of the bridge i think it's kimberly and cheryl like blended together and they don't belt it like they kind of just like head voice it and it's just not It just doesn't really climax it the way that I think it's supposed to. Like, they really needed Sarah or Dean there just to give it a bit more of a punch. I don't know.
1: Sorry, Miss Tweedy. We love you, though. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So my score for this one is I'm going to give it a seven. It's just okay.
0: Okay. I'll go a little higher. at 7.5. All
1: right. Up next, we have Hear Me Out. I could just say it, but, like, that's so catchy, you know? (laughs) And this was done by Sarah, Lisa Cowling. Brian Higgins, and Miranda Cooper. And if you didn't know, Sarah Harding of Girls low. The song's title would eventually be used for Sarah's autobiography, released in 2021. This one, oh my gosh. I liked it, but I want to get something out of the way first. I want to say something really like, what I don't like about it. I think that the drum machine sounds cheap. Yeah. It bothers me every time it comes on, and the song is so poignant. Like, I feel like natural instruments would have done the trick this whole album is full of random guitars random drums random instruments that sound natural why is it that when you get this one another ballad moment you use the like like a preset on a synthesizer that's the only thing i don't like about it Mm. i've gotten used to it as the song progresses because there's other things to distract me from the just cheapness of the sound but every time the song starts. I'm a little turned off by that basic percussion. And that's mm. why I complain, really. After that, I will say that having an existential track on this album that isn't a cover is good. It's welcomed for sure. And this didn't have to be about a broken heart. Like, maybe it was. Or maybe it was about accepting mistakes and telling people that you've learned from them. And that you'll take those lessons that you've learned with you into the future. Or like, hey, you don't misunderstand who I am as a person. And I guess like with their profile becoming larger and like Sarah eventually being seen as like the party girl, the song adds a layer to both the group and her, where it's like, hey, we're not just X, Y, and Z. We're not what you see on something else. Hear me out first and understand why I am like this, or understand that what you saw was not the full story. And that is what I appreciate about it, which also ties into making the the autobiography even more mm-hmm. pointed. Cause she's very much like saying exactly what this song had said. X amount of years prior, 10 years prior, right? Mm. So yeah, I think it's effective. It does what it needs to do. It's a little bare in terms of like singing parts at first. And then it starts to build a little bit more in the second verse, which I appreciate. I do wonder how much of it she wrote because some of it doesn't sound like, is that what I mean? Like the lyrics made sense, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I <laughs> like there wasn't any kind of like Riddler or Caterpillar or on, a, on a flower, like riddles. You know, I, I appreciate that very straightforward, a little cheesy, but not so much so you are missing out on the, the message.
0: Yeah, I will say this is probably my favorite of the five member co-writes. And it kind of was from the very first time I heard the album, too. Because I think it's, I think it's a song, it's just the most interesting one. But yeah, I think the production's I'm okay with the drums on it. I think the synths are cool. Like the way it's kind of that like underwater kind of effect where it's all kind of muffled and echoey. And so I don't mind the, I don't I don't mind the drum choice. I appreciate how the chorus actually is kind of a unison kind of battle cry. You know, normally sure. I'm like, we need more harmonies. But in this case, I actually think it works that you kind of have the five of them kind of singing here be out like together. It just kind of makes it very powerful. And yeah, you call that the second verse. I love the second verse. Like, I do think that's the best part of the song. And and the vocal production is very interesting. Like, you have that kind of soft part that starts it that it kind of sounds like maybe Sarah and Nicola and Kim just kind of all blended together. And then you have Cheryl, like, whisper speaking in the back. And then you get this, like, trade-off between Sarah and Kimberly where it just gets, like, more intense as it goes. So I just think that whole verse is really awesome and is a standout on the whole album, honestly. Yeah, I think it's just a standout on the whole album. That's <laughs> that's how I will end it. <laughs> yeah, All right. So yeah, I will give it an eight point five. How about you?
1: Nice, I gave it just an eight. But okay. Nice.
0: <laughs> All right. Moving on to graffiti, my soul, and this one was done by Pep Lab, Tim Powell, Lisa Cowling, Brian Higgins, and Miranda Cooper. And this contains a sample of the Pep Lab song "It's Not the Drug," and it was originally offered to Britney Spears for her "In the Zone" album. Yeah. And rumor has it that she did actually record the demo of it, but it's still unheard by the public.
1: (laughs) I mean, we we did review In the Zone. So definitely be sure to check out our review of Britney's Mm. iconic album after this, obviously. Honestly, say I'm glad that even thinking about how we reviewed it and like think what songs would have fit on it, this would have fit real nicely in there. I mean, it's not bad. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad they got it. I'm sorry, Brit. Brit. (laughs) This is, I like. Them on it, yeah. <laughs> you gotten so used to like their jiggle, jam- jingle, jamble their, their drumbalaya, There we go, of like production and like song parts that Britney would have had in. I don't think, think anyone would have kind of just not died with the album, but it would have been kind of sliding in as like a B side or like a just hey, this is a fan favorite kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know. I'm not saying that didn't happen with this one, but I feel like a lot of fans know this one, like, oh, this is like. Mm-hmm. this is it you know as we know like touch of my hands that kind of effect mm-hmm. you know these lyrics are something though i will say that it's so funny because i was like what the heck are y'all talking about uh, oh my god what are you talking yeah, what about what does
0: graffiti my soul mean
1: <laughs> after careful listening oh, i'm totally joking but yeah the graffiti my soul thing i was like what like like tag my soul like leave a mark on it because the the, the lyrics are very much about keeping things super cash the lyrics are like, what is it? Got your name on my face. Got your name on my face. When I heard that, I was like, what does that mean? Got your name yeah. on my face. Your, your face, face on my mind. mind. Yeah. And an open hearted, ain't my philosophy. I need I need a walking, talking mannequin. So basically, they just try to smash and dash. And I'm like, "That's why would you want someone to do graffiti to their soul? And I'm like, why would you want him to leave a mark? Unless he's really that spectacular. And every time you want to hit him up, he's like, there. I don't know that or the graffiti could be a, a euphemism for confetti and champagne which is a euphemism for string cheese, which is a euphemism for, you know, like, it's just...
0: That's where I'm my saying? mind went to, actually.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's definitely fun. I like the uh, the whole, like, you want to come touch me, then come do it. But we can do it on the floor, the stairs, the kitchen, <laughs> but no kids, or I will push you away because you're pushing me too far. I think that's, I think that's fun. Like, the song is definitely all over the place, <laughs> much like someone who likes to get around is... But not like in a bad way. Like it's something that fans can enjoy that I think they would probably like because it's fun. It's flirty. It's very much taking control of the narrative. Like, listen, you can come sit your little butt on the bed or on the stairs or in the kitchen wherever else Kimberly listed. We can get it done and you leave. That's it. (laughs) So that's it's just fun to kind of hear that considering the time and how people are like women should be this and women should be that. So it's nice to hear that.
0: Yeah. I, so, Brian had said that Britney's team wanted, like, Sound of the Underground Part 2, basically. And this is kind of what they came up with. But it has the kind of confidence that that whole Britney era was kind of about. Like, like kind of, like, owning your sexuality and, like, owning, you know, just what you want to do. Is Yeah. And, and so it makes sense, like, it, that they would kind of go that direction lyrically. But yeah, I think it's a really cool song. This is definitely, I think among a lot of fans, it is kind of known as one of their best album tracks, for sure. sure. And, you know, I I had said before, Wake Me Up is kind of like the part three to Sound of the Underground, No Good Advice. I would say this is like the ultimate, like part four kind of end to this whole kind of like group of songs. Yeah. Because again, you kind of have a, a very guitar-led kind of production, but it's gotten like really weird and crazy. and There's no real chorus. Which is what Brian said Britney's team did not like about it, actually. Uh, <laughs> but I personally think it's super cool. I love how crazy it all is. Like, every single part is fantastic. Like, from the second it starts with Nadine kind of acapella doing yeah. what I thought I would say is a chorus, right? And then you get stuttering, you get Kimberly doing full rap verse, <laughs> which is great. The Kitchen is Stairs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's super memorable. I think it's an awesome song. And yeah, I agree with you. I'm glad it went to them because I think it is a great representation of what they're kind of known for. It's kind of like weird, but fun, but very confident and kind of like sassy, girly situation. Yeah. What did you think of the performance they did on the tour?
1: You know what? They are so much fun. I love the whole like Pussycat Doll influenced outfits that were pop. I think I mentioned that when we were watching this concert like years ago. I was like, did the Pussycat Dolls do the schoolgirl thing a lot? Not schoolgirl, but the, the, the color itself, like the red.
0: Oh, the kind of gingham kind of thing. Yeah,
1: ging- yeah, and then the pirate, they had like pirate outfits in this tour. I think it was this tour it was the chemistry tour. It was chemistry. Excuse me, fans don't come for me. I apologize. Yeah, I think this is definitely a display of them actually, like, believing what they're singing about and then, like, being really into it, like, all the hip thrusts and stuff. I had never seen someone's spine rotate as much as Cheryl's did, but it was so good. She looked like, she looked like, I don't know how to describe it, but she just looked like someone was swinging her. She did not care. I was like, go off. And, like, the the smiles was there. They just felt like young, 20-something, I mean, excluding Nicola. But, you know, 20-something women just doing their thing. And having a good time, they sounded good. Like they sound well. I, it wasn't lip sync, right?
0: It was can, for sure. It was okay. i thought so
1: Thank you, thank the you. The pre-recorded like,
0: vocals sound great.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Because I'm like, am I tripping? Or but yeah, it's super confident. I enjoy it. Like them dancing with the guys and stuff, and the chips on the stairs. Like it was just dramatic. Yeah, no, I think this is one of those performances that made me like like it. Like there was there was like the 2000 shimmies and the and the you know the. The coconuts shifting. I love that. 2000 two thousands pop dancing. It's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that whole section of the show, too. Like they start with no good advice and it goes into this. They do wake me up. And it, yeah, it's that was a great part of that concert for sure. One and more. they would eventually perform the song on their greatest hits tour as well, along with the next track that we're going to talk about, too. So I yeah, I'll give this one a 10. I think it's awesome.
1: Yeah, this one's a 10. I think this one's an elevated, elevated track on the album, for sure.
0: Mm. Yes.
1: But yes, up next is number 10, Real Life, done by 10, Rolf Lacombe, Lisa Cowling, Brian Higgins, and Miranda Coop. And this song was also included as the B-side for I'll Stand By You.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank goodness. Stand By You again, as sweet as it was.
0: Real oh, like it hit. needed this song yeah, and like, to oh support it? Oh, yeah. No, I actually was more like mad. I was like, I, I, first off, I just hate when they use album tracks as B-sides, because I'm like, Well, that was lazy. (laughs) But also, I think this song is really good. And I feel like it shouldn't be relegated to just a B-side. Because I think it does deserve its spot on the album, for sure. It's got kind of like a frantic production to it. And the chorus is just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of something urgent about it. Yeah, totally. I do think the verses in the post-chorus are actually the strongest parts of the song, though. Like, I think the melody is just really great. Plus, the lyrics are so good. Again, like I think this had this song has some of the strongest lyrics on the album. And again, it's about a lot of different things, which makes sense—the whole Frankenstein thing. But it's like some are just about like accepting how what life is <laughs> and, and the realities of of real life, and just trying to survive that. Then there's stuff about like relationships and kind of embarrassing things that can happen, like that second verse where Nicola's like, "And then my face turned pink." You know, like all these little things. Yeah, I think lyrically this has some really great moments as well. I think vocally this is a great showcase for the group too. Very evenly distributed for the most part. You get Sarah and Kim leading the chorus. The other three on the verses. And there's a lot of kind of just switching back and forth as well. And then we'll get to the performance. But what did you think of Real Life?
1: The first verse is hilarious. Because Cheryl having a rant with the guy and then passing him over to the friend just because he's clangy. That's hilarious. (laughs) So funny. But you know what? The thing is with this song is, like, melodically speaking, it's good. But then you have too many themes, the You elements. That's what kind of pulls me away mm. in terms of, like, related. Like, you can relate to so many parts. But why is it that you just didn't write a song about real life and made it fun? And write a song about having a romp with a guy. It's separate. Another one. I mean, you really did it for Graffiti My Soul. But I just realized, like, I'm not saying that you have to have a, a direct message with every single song. But it definitely does help with the digestibility, especially for someone who's not a fan who didn't grow up with it, who may not be familiar with Britpop or even Girls Aloud in general and just pretty much like a very standard issue kind of track. But yeah, I mean, the chorus, again, this doesn't match the whole like I'm trying to live my life shackle free message in the verses. <laughs> that's the only disconnection. Like it's a little that's one that I just don't like too much. I mean, I'm trying to figure out what the occupation is. Like is it genuine? Like, hey, listen, life's a rat race. You better hop in there and just wish for the best, or is it like, you know, maybe he needs to remember his place, his occupation as just the guy that hit and quit it, and understand that when she feels like it, when the moment's right, then they should connect. You know, keeping things super no, bad. I think it's
0: the former. I think they're I know, completely unrelated. Yeah,
1: I, that's that's what I'm saying though. Why am I sitting here being like, well, what's real life about this? But you're talking about having having relations with this man, but he got that you keep passing the moment because that's real life. <laughs> Like, I would have had a relationship with guys and then be like, hey, Chris, you want them? Like, that's weird. <laughs> Maybe they did that. I mean, I don't I know. Mean, shoot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally teasing. This didn't affect my score so significantly, but I remember sitting there and being like, what is it about? What is it
0: about again? Hmm, you might struggle as we get into more of the girls' loud discography then, because a lot <laughs> of their songs make no sense.
1: Man, <laughs> listen, I we've listened to them for the Pop 101, and I was sitting there just like, Wait,
0: mm-hmm.
1: wait, wait, I like it, but what's what does this mean? Yeah, going back to like the song structure and like the Frankensteining. There's actually like a K-pop video. Someone did a terrible freaking job of it, but they put Stacy's song. Stacy's a K-pop girl group for those who don't know. But he put Stacy's debut song so bad and quote unquote mashed it up when he literally just played both songs at the same time. But <laughs> they actually fit together. Had he just had they just figured out how to do the whole you know acapella thing. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of fits. And I was like, oh, wow. Wait, they really are. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's random. Yeah.
1: yeah. It was super random. I don't know what made that person do it, but it happened. And it didn't sound bad together. Not saying that the chicken or the egg situation happened. I will say that later. But th- it was just interesting hearing like, wow, now I listen to K-pop. I can listen to this readily and like accept it as like, okay, something crazy might happen. Because, you know, I listened to K-pop first, but then I came back.
0: Yeah, and, you, and that you know was the saying? opposite, which makes it interesting. Because I will say the fact that this song makes no sense is why I think I can listen to K-pop and not care what they're singing yeah. about.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. I have to talk about the performance from the What Will the Neighbors Say tour. They have mentioned that this is one of their favorite songs to sing live, which is why they did it on the Greatest Hits tour as well. And they really elevated the song. Like th- The performance made me like the song so much more and the live version would eventually be released as a B-side later on as well for a different single. But yeah, all the the added harmonies and stuff, just like all the extra little trills that Nadine and Nicola kind of added to their parts. It's all so much fun. And then the whole kind of more like Samba kind of thing that they did with the with the band version as well. Just a lot of great choices. Definitely one of the best performances on that tour. And really made the song even better.
1: No, absolutely. They've they been through a lot of different like, banter, ska, samba, big band, blah, blah, blah. So I mean, it all worked out. It sounded really nice. Yeah, solid song, super solid song. Yeah, I remember you playing it for me a lot. That's what, probably why I also like it. You know, I'm not like against it, but for this album, I was like, what are these lyrics? <laughs> I noticed it finally. Again, it doesn't affect my score like terribly. So. I give it an 8.5, only just in terms of just like, okay, it's okay. It's better than a mm. 7. It's not like, wow, like the other ones, I feel. But yeah, 8.5. Yeah. Okay,
0: I will go slightly higher and do a 9.
1: Okay. Awesome.
0: Moving on to Here We Go, and this one was done by Miranda Cooper, Brian Higgins, and Matt Gray. And this was also originally recorded by Miranda as Moon Baby. But the song was actually then covered in 2003 by Lean the lead singer of Aqua before going to Girls Aloud. And of course, eventually, like a couple of years later, it would also then be used as the basis of the theme song for Totally Spies, the television cartoon series. So yeah, lots of iterations for this song. So yeah, what'd you think of the Girls Aloud version?
1: I did not even know it existed because I was just I I grew up watching Totally Spies. I even cosplayed as them like uh, a couple years ago, but I cosplayed. As, as the, I just love the show. And when we were doing the pop 101. I was like, "Why is this, why is it so familiar? Why why do I know this song?" And then the chorus came around, and I was like, "This is the chicken." No wait, this is the yeah, this is the chicken. This but song not this really. is the chicken. I know, I know, not really. Yeah, but my point is, when I heard, I was like, "This is the chicken." <laughs> So it's interesting because I'm always like, how in the world do these songs just travel through space and time like this? You know, I mean, like mm. when you're shopping out music for like TV shows, any, anyone can like, oh, I heard the song back in the day. Maybe we should listen to it. I think Totally Spies was done by either a French or an Italian company. It wasn't American, but it was European. So it wasn't like it was super removed, you know. But I just <laughs> think it's so interesting because I'm like, wow, what made you go? Hmm, we're making a show about spies. Oh, there's a song by this group. Like it's crazy. But yeah, no, I think I I like this song because of the, the attachment to Totally Spies. But also, I enjoy when pop songs create a picture, you know, take you to another place, make you think about something other than just like, this song has a good beat. Like, okay, good. You know what I'm saying? Like, this puts you in a time of, like, James Bond and spy flicks and, you know, much like a genera- uh, girl generation song, Hoot. Like, when I first heard Hoot, I was like, oh, my. Oh, these guitars he's like surf guitars and it sounds like James Bond and I mean granted that song was written by some Brits and some Swedes so I wouldn't be surprised if there was some inspo if not completely fine it's just interesting how it's like that kind of concept is just it's fun and then the lyrics for this song I should have started off with that The putting your tongue in the ear thing that is certainly clear indeed indeed I laugh every time I hear it. I'm like I wish somebody would do that's so weird <laughs> But it's fun. It's part of the the whole point of the song, right? You know, a modern woman that is down to have some fun. Not Mm. S-E-X, but definitely second base. And I was like, that's what I'll talk about. Like, I love Girls Aloud so much because when they sing, I'm like, wow, as a 20-something-year-old woman, hearing this reinstates my, like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. It makes me feel like, you know, I, I can be hot and still say no. And I appreciate that. And I know the re- the lyrics are, are like a reflection of the time, though, like, you know, being like not being promiscuous was like, wow, I'm not promiscuous it's good, don't be a bad girl. But like, I really appreciate lines like that. Like it happens in, in the show. Like you have to wait for me. That's that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I like it. This song I just like because of Totally Spies. I can't lie. I slip mm-hmm. up and say, and then we'll shop instead of saying, and then we'll drop. Like it happens, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> What did you think of, like, the original, original versions then? Like the Mood Baby one and then the Lean one?
1: Oh, I like them. Because I like, I like Moon Baby because she has, like, this very, like, quirky kind of voice. I think sounds good.
0: Yeah. For what was going on with the song. Yeah, and man, Yes. And Lean kind of has that same tone, too. Yeah,
1: it's slinky. As I'm, like, trying to illustrate slink. Like, unslinky. But, yeah, it's very slinky. It sounds like one of those. Oh, Mr. Bond, kind of villains. Like it just, it just again, it creates this whole picture. The vocal production mm. emotes properly, and she wrote, she wrote a damn good song. She wrote a yeah. song. She wrote a good song.
0: Yeah, yeah, That's for sure. Do. Yeah, this song's super fun. I remember, I think the first time we heard it as a fandom was, I think they performed it like on MTV first before it came out. Uh, so I, I, remember that performance really well, but yeah, the production is wild. Like it starts off as this kind of like bossa nova kind of then inspired kind of thing for the verses. Then the, the pre-chorus has more of like a drum and bass kind of vibe to it before it turns yeah. into like a pop rock song for the chorus. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, just a lot going on there. So yeah, it's definitely fun observing the journey. I did not watch Totally Spies, but obviously I kind of knew the song as it came out. So I kind of just knew that they had used it as the theme song, and that's kind of uh, as far as I went with it. But yeah, I think I think Girls Aloud's version is good. It's definitely not as sultry as maybe the Miranda or Lean versions. I mean, I think Cheryl and Kimberly do kind of emote that well. And then Nicola, again, kind of using that softer tone where it kind of sounds kind of more innocent as well was kind of an interesting dynamic. I will say it is interesting because this is a rare moment in the Girls Aloud discography that does not have Nadine singing any lead vocals. Oh, yeah? Which is interesting. And I can kind of see why because she's maybe a tad too soulful for this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) But yeah, I enjoyed the tour performance of this as well. Like, I think we shouted this out in the Sarah Legacy episode. She does an amazing high note to end it, too, which is great. Yes. Yeah. She's such, a, she's such a rock star. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, the choreography's fun. It's like more hair flipping and just like Yes. chest popping stuff. great. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. So for me, I gave the song a well I like it a lot. It fits the theme of what it was trying to do. It sounds very Mr. Bondy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: I will match you with a nine.
1: All right. And here we go. The final track, Thank Me Daddy, done by member Kimberly Walsh, Paul Woods, Tim Rolf, lacombe Lisa Cowling, Tim Powell, Brian Higgins, and Miranda Cooper. I mean, at this point, we could have just said Zenomania, but I don't know. This yeah, is but it's like it. different
0: members of different for yeah, each song. Right. So we'll give you each a shout out. Yeah. You know,
1: every time. <laughs> we love y'all. This song was a little confusing to me. Mm. Interesting. This song, the lyric. I mean, if you're feeling jaded by the constant rotation of lovers, but unwilling to stop or maybe stop for the right person, this is the tune for you for sure. Because it's like, I've done some things. I've done a lot of things. Yeah. And apparently the whole thing is about having a good time. But when questioned about the past, they don't say too much about it. They own up to it. But it's more like, I've had bodies. I just want to tell you how many. Like, you know, that's what the the Bible (laughs) is. It's like, you've been with a lot of men. How many? You know, like, that's what it feels like. The thing that confused me a little bit is that I couldn't figure out if they were like, using daddy as a pet name like thank me daddy like thank me baby, that I didn't tell you all these things or is it like them saying thank me daddy like thank my dad like but then I realized <laughs> it was like <laughs> you know like oh because of my father that I'm like this but no it's literally just like pet name, like you better thank me daddy I didn't yeah spoke all my secret and soared details of my love life daddy you know like that <clears throat> sorry I was it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a fully grown father my father is, is fully grown, and I'm, yeah, I can't do that. I'm too dead. No, the, no, dead no, dead. no, 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 yeah. no, no. And so I'm saying I can't do it with a almost vomited. Um, Grant, if that's something that you like to do, we're not here to ink shame you. We're not here to do that. But just for me and Chris, we are never going to do that. But, yeah, I realized what it was, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think I would. think me baby would have been fine, too. <laughs> yeah, I need to about this one.
0: Okay, so I actually kind of appreciate that you can kind of think about it in those two ways where it is, like, a young person just kind of, like, telling their parents, like, look, it's rough in the city, and life has a lot going on, and I'm not going to reveal all of the crazy stuff I have done for your benefit. Right. You know? Right. So I kind of appreciate that it has that dichotomy where you could take it in that more kind of overarching kind of parental yeah.
1: way yeah. as yeah. well.
0: as uh, yeah. So I I actually appreciate that. I kind of like that we don't fully know which one they they were really inspired by there. I will say sonically, this feels like a part two to Big Brother for me. Like they're very similar vibe wise. They're kind of that same kind of electro pop, kind of sinister, kind of slightly creepy kind of thing to it. I will say I like this one more. Like I think melodically it's better. Like the verses are, are a bit stronger. I think the Big Brother one, again, it kind of has that, like I, do, like I said, I think Cheryl sounded really good in that. But I think melodically, this one's just a little bit more memorable here. Uh, and and I think the evenness of the vocal distribution helps as well because you kind of get kind of all the different tones kind of coming in and out. So yeah, I do think it's a fun girl group pop song. I do think it could have been included in that like schoolgirl section of that tour. It would have oh, fit yeah, perfectly uh... there. So I do kind of feel like this was a missed opportunity to perform the song because I think that you could come up with some really fun choreography for this but yeah i don't think there's anything like groundbreaking about this song it's not like a huge standout in the girls allowed discography but again in the context of the album uh-huh. i think it has its place for sure
1: yes this is, this is a good ending i'm, I'm it's not a terrible or is it really the end it is not
0: well it's you not bet. for the uk oh this is very true <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right so yeah i will give this one an eight how are you this one's a 7.5 for moi <laughs> okay So, as we've been alluding to, the UK version of the album actually does have two more tracks because, if you didn't notice, we did not talk about the songs that Nicola and Nadine co-wrote. So, if you would like to hear our thoughts on these two songs, we are putting up our review exclusively on our Patreon page and also on our Spotify subscription. So, definitely go join us at patreon.com slash Pops to hear our thoughts on those two. So for now, we've concluded the standard review of the Wall of the Neighbors Say album. I am very excited for the deluxe version that I'm sure is coming out very soon. So we mm-hmm. will still likely do a part two where we talk about all the B-sides and stuff. So keep an eye out for that. But for now, we're at our cutter Keep section. If you had to cut a song from this album, which would you do and why?
1: You know what? I would cut... I want to get Big Brother. I don't really care for it. I mean, if y'all like it, cool, fun, whatever. It's okay for me. It's not as strong as the other ones that aren't as strong as the main ones, as in yeah. the singles and such. You know what i like, Yeah. It was like layers. like ter- It's like a tertiary, like, fave song. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you know? So I'm like, you gotta go. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to match you with that one. Like, I think, like I just mentioned, Thank Me Daddy is very similar to it, so it kind of does what it that was trying to do kind of the whole time. So yeah, sorry, Cheryl. I will also cut Big Brother. Okay, so if I had to keep a song, I'd be, I guess I'll stick with Graffiti, My Soul. (laughs) (laughs) If I had to pick a single, I'd probably stick with Wake Me Up. How about you?
1: If I had to keep a song, I mean, because I like themes in my music. I like hearing themes, thematic things. Scene setting, my point is, here we go. I would keep that one, and as a single, I would keep uh, Love Machine for sure. But yeah, I think here we here mm. here we go is fun. I like when people just put me in a different world. That song does it's a <laughs> job. So yeah, I like that one, and it's and it's it's just as weird as Love Machine in some way lyrically speaking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: nice. Okay, so what are your overall thoughts on the second album? So yeah, I like this album. We reviewed it for Pop One One.
1: I like this album now. It's nice to hear, and then watching all of the footage now of them progressing and evolving throughout the performances, and it's like, wow. The songs weren't bare, but they definitely were able to grow and allow themselves to like perform, it, perform the crap out of it. They seem like they were having a good time. It, it feels like they were stepping into their own, even as cringeworthy as some of the lyrics were or some of the songs were, they like, oh my God, we're going to F up our careers with this one, y'all. Mm. It didn't F up your career, so... This is I think this album is solid and for people who are like looking for pop artists to get into even though it was like dying this was a pretty good fresh take on the pop sound at the time I think considering what I know you <laughs> know and what I like yeah. I think is pretty solid
0: Yeah it's a great girl group album I'm very happy for them that they did not suffer from the software slump Yeah and just a big thank you to Brian and Miranda taking it on you know because it literally hinged on them like that they would not have been able to to record a second album if they didn't right you know say they would do the whole thing so yeah i will say there's not like a really bad song on here at all it's definitely a really great progression from the first album and it is kind of amazing to hear kind of the very first iteration of the xenomania girls allowed partnership like obviously yes we had the song from the first album but these ones you know, they were written specifically for Girls Aloud and they together created this very unique sound. And, you know, it's it's interesting listening to it back because, you know, like obviously we have K-pop now, so a lot of girl groups kind of sound like this, actually. But you have to realize like no one sounded like this at the time. At the
1: time. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's kind of
0: amazing to kind of go back to to this and then listen to it and kind of hear how it has actually influenced pop a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Not as I kept mentioning K-pop and I'm like, you know, it's definitely like a blueprint.
0: <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what would you give it as an overall rating?
1: I I would give this one an eight. I think an eight is a good number for this. Cause my numbers, my scores were a little bit lower. Yeah. Um. Overall, even though the singles were strong, they were singles for a reason. Like they knew what they were doing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think overall, it's, it's just a nice solid eight for sure.
0: Yeah. I'll stick with a nine. I think I'm biased because like I have a lot of personal connection with it. But uh, yeah, I think it's just such a massive improvement from the first album, so... But not even close to their highs, though, so... All
1: right, so, Allowders, or whatever tentatively you'll be called in the future, what do you think about this album? What do you all think about this album? Let us know what other albums you'd like to hear us review as well. And don't forget, you can hang out with us and the crew on Patreon to get priority choice. And you can comment below or message us at CCTV Pops on all social media. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and turn on those notifications for our YouTube channel. We are 2K Deep. Join the CCTV crew, y'all. Join it. And if you're enjoying the show on a podcast platform, please give us a follow rating and a review. Until next time, that's Chris. That's Shan. And we're signing off from CCTV. The non-stop bad